Uh, tonight's subject matter, we're continuing to talk about experiencing God, but uh, primarily I'm going to be spending a bulk of my time sharing when God is silent. How do we respond? What should we do? How do we interpret when God is silent? Because there are those seasons in our life where it seems as if the heavens are silent, and here we are on the earth needing direction, needing guidance, and needing some confirmation, and the Lord knows all of that. So, first of all, let's take our text, and let's see what God's Word has to say about this season that was in the earth in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Verse 1, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. But notice what Samuel was doing. Samuel was what? Ministering to the Lord. Verse 2. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in, in his place, Eli was the high priest of the nation of Israel. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was still lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord. For your servant here. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel. There's a few points that I want to point, I want to bring out, and then we're going to get into Psalms 46. And first is that of course, the life of Samuel, he's the first prophet of the nation of Israel, is, is really a, a sort of a sentimental story. Uh, of course, his mom uh, was not able to conceive, and uh, of course, she was pouring out her heart one day uh, when they went to offer up their sacrifices uh, annually. And as she began to cry out to the Lord, uh, the high priest, who was Eli, uh, thought she was intoxicated and accused her of actually coming into the sanctuary in an intoxicated state and said that, you know, she needs to really just cool her jets and settle down. And she brought some perspective to the man of God and she said, I'm heartbroken. I'm not intoxicated. My heart is broken because I'm not able to have a child. And of course, the priest, recognizing that he had overstepped and sort of misspoken, drew back and spoke a blessing over her. And she received that blessing, and she left with her heart filled with expectation. Well, in the time and the season of the Lord, she had a son. And she committed her son, once he was weaned, to the purposes of God. 
The son was Samuel. He would end up being the first prophet of the nation of Israel. And it's significant because at this time, the house of Israel is in shambles spiritually. Um, Eli is not really uh, healthy. Uh, his health is failing. His two sons are a disgrace to the nation of Israel. They're, uh, they're skimming off the top. And so they're taking what belongs to the Lord and they're consuming it of their own lust. And uh, we would say in today's modern ver- vernacular, they're embezzling funds from the people of God. And they're also uh, taking advantage of their position and they are uh, having inappropriate relationships with the women that are part of the house of Israel. So they're leveraging their position and uh, having inappropriate relationships. But because of this, God's spirit is tremendously grieved with the activity and what's going on. And he begins to deal with with uh, Eli, and he begins to pronounce judgment on the family of, of Eli, of which is a, is a, the last resort that the Lord wants to take. I mean, he, he goes to every, he exhausts every avenue before he has to go there with some individual. So, so I, first of all, want you to know that the Lord is patient, the Lord is merciful, the Lord is long-suffering, but after a period of time, there are consequences for choices if we don't make adjustments. And so in this season, those, that was what was happening in the nation of Israel spiritually. And here's a young boy, Samuel, who's never really heard from God, and he's not familiar with hearing from God, but you can see his heart for God. His heart was he was ministering to the Lord. So what does that what does that really look like when it, the Scripture says ministering to the Lord? We're we're acquainted with the Lord ministering to us as as believers. He's ministered to us numerous times throughout of our lives. So all right, do a role reversal. That that's when. You desire for, for, you know, to bless him and to, to honor him, to glorify him and that, and, and so that can, that can look a lot of different ways, uh, depending on how a person expresses their gratitude, their service, their appreciation towards the Lord is ministering to the Lord, uh, can manifest in, in numerous ways. But for a young boy who had a heart, for God, and so in this interaction, it's interesting because uh, Eli finally the lights came on, and he said, "The Lord's trying to get your attention." And so he said to him, "When he calls you again, this is a real key." He said, "Lord, speak, for your servant is listening." Last week I talked about the significance of listening is where hearing begins, and. And most of us are not good listeners. We're just waiting for someone to stop talking so we can tell them how it really is or give them our perspective or our opinion. And all of us are guilty along those lines. And because we have opinions and we feel those opinions need to be communicated and accepted and adopted, but we're not quite sure if we're on board with other people's opinions or ideas, or suggestions. 
And so in this setting, we see a young boy who has a heart from God, but he's never really heard from God. So let me start by saying having a heart for God is where it all starts. If you just, you know, want the blessings of the Lord without having a heart for the Lord, then it's the cart is before the horse. And it's really going to be a challenge to honestly walk with God consistently, to hear from God consistently, and to know what God's will is in your life. Because God isn't someone that we should tempt or test along those lines. He's someone we should trust. And yet, in Christianity, there's a lot of people that I think are more tempting and testing than trusting at times. And that can be a problem in hearing from God. And so we want the blessing of the Lord, but at times we're not willing to pursue the person of the Lord. And pursuing the person of the Lord is much more important than anything else because the blessings flow from that. And we, ha- and we have to understand that it's not doing something to be seen by men. It's actually doing something because it's in your heart to do. It's in your heart to do. And if you're struggling along those lines, we're going to start by saying this. The first place to start when things are silent is to say, Lord, here I am, I'm listening. I may be trying to figure it out at the same time. I may want to, you know, have this season shortened. I'd like a little inside information, but uh, my responsibility is to present myself before you and to minister to you and say, your servant is listening. Your servant is, is listening. Psalms chapter 46 and verse 10. Psalms 46. And verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's a proclamation that the Lord is going to be exalted. But I believe that being still and knowing the Lord allows us to see where he is at work in the nations and where he is at work in the earth, where he is actually being elevated and exalted. So in God's silence, God is not punishing us. God is not punishing us. He is preparing us and proving us to experience more of him. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in detail here in a moment. So when God is silent, let me give you some really, I'm saying these points are more uh, things that I have learned and some of them are more authoritative than others, but I'm really sharing some of this by permission, some things I've gathered throughout the years. So when God is silent, we have to understand, as I just said, that we need to have an ear to hear and a heart to understand like Samuel. Scripture says, if we're willing and obedient, we'll eat the good of the land. So whenever God speaks, it requires an adjustment on our part. God never speaks without requiring a change in a person's attitude or conduct or behavior. It's, it's an impossibility. Whenever God speaks, it changes us. 
Now, many times we want God to speak to somebody else and change them. But we're talking about us hearing from God, you and I hearing from God. And whenever God talks to us, it's about us. It's about the adjustments that are necessary in our lives in order for us to experience him. That we may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Why? That we might be conformed to his image. The confirmation to his image, being conformed to his image, is all about when I hear from him, I and when I'm obedient, I become more like him. I'm not ever going to be him, but I can become more Christ-like. So when God speaks, we would love him to straighten everybody else out, but he's primarily interested in repositioning us for his glory and for his purpose, to experience his goodness. Can I get a hearty amen? Amen. Amen. So I've talked about let's be careful, let's not tempt or test the Lord. And that could be like, Lord, if you want me to do this, make every light from here to Toledo, Ohio, green. That's an impossibility. I don't even know that the Aviation Commission could do that. I mean, you could call them and say, I need green lights. No, that's tempting or testing the Lord. Uh, And that that is something that we're all prone to do occasionally because we don't like to wait. So we start tempting the Lord by saying, if you'll do this, I'll know it's you. And if you don't do this, okay, then I got the message. But do we really understand that that is probably the worst way to hear from God? It's the absolute worst. And while God is merciful to us at times when we're first beginning to walk with him and he'll He'll grant that unto us as we gain more knowledge of him and his ways. We can't pull that card anymore. It just isn't fair because we've learned more about him and therefore we should trust him more completely. So perhaps in times of perceived silence, the Lord is testing the sincerity of our words and the promises we have made to him. Just potentially. I just want to put that out as a possibility. Is that fair? Sometimes when we don't perceive that the Lord is talking to us, it's because we've been promising him a lot and maybe haven't delivered much on our promises. So he's just waiting for us to keep our word. And yet we're wanting him to give us confirmation on his word. Now, I'm not saying that You're ever going to outweigh God because you can't. There's a time in scripture from the book of Malachi until the announcement of the angels of Jesus' birth. There was 400 years of silence. So if you think you can be silent longer than God, you're not going to live 400 years. So the possibilities are zero. I'm just proposing that. If you think that you can outweigh God and, and, Giving him the silent treatment because you perceive he's being silent to you. It's your perception. It's not really reality because you're going to see through the course of this message that God is never silent. We just don't hear him sometimes. 
So if you pull a silent treatment on God, then you're just showing your immaturity. I'm showing my immaturity when we do that. If he ain't going to talk to me, I ain't going to talk to him. I'm not going to pray anymore. You know, there's whole churches, whole denominations. They, they have, they have this, this, um, wrong idea or, or conception of God's people and his church. And there's some people that go to certain churches that they, I, I, I can't think of anyone that's in this category here, but I, I know of a few in other churches I've encountered them. And they are, they are influential. They have money. Uh, they have prominence and they have power. And if things aren't going on in the church the way that they want them to, they just stop supporting the church. It, that doesn't say anything negative about the church. It says something horribly negative about that individual, and yet they don't interpret it that way. They think they're going to use their money and their power and their paralysis, you know, to stop the work of God. And and what happens in those situations is that God's work just continues to keep going, and those people are humiliated. That's why he calls us all as a body of believers to participate, to support, to pray for one another, to serve one another, and to be active in gospel work because we are the body of Christ. Now, this is a little caveat. So, off of everybody's toes for a minute, Doug. Okay. All right. So, when God is silent, perhaps the Lord is waiting for us to honor him by listening and being obedient to his written word. The Bible is God talking to us. The written word of God reveals the living word of God to us. So stay in faith and feed on God's faithfulness. Stay in faith and feed on God's faithfulness. Let me show you one exhortation that if this is all the Bible that you have, this is it. If in these seven or eight verses is if this is all the Bible you had, you have enough to live on. Okay. So first Thessalonians chapter five. And let me begin in verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast. What is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He will do it. He will do it. So there's so many things that we don't need to ask the Lord about. We just need to study to show ourselves approved. And then when we're in the word, the word is alive. Correct? Hebrews 4.12, the word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So the word of God speaks to us. I, I never need to ask the Lord if I need to forgive someone. I never have to ask the Lord, do you want me to give in an offering? Never, never, I never have to pray about that. There's times where if there's a special offering, I need to pray about my part in that. But it's already written what I should do. 
And when I obey the written word, it's amazing how I'll start hearing the still small voice of God. I'm really concerned about people that live in, in what I call gross disobedience and they claim to hear from God all the time. I'm like, that's impossible. It's impossible to violate the written word and then to be led by the spirit of God because the spirit of God and the word of God are one. So if you're not listening to the spirit of God reveal the word of God, to you don't know the voice of the spirit of God. And that's not a mic drop moment. That's just a reality. My heart goes out. Those people like to hear voices. And that's that's not Christianity. Christianity is a walk of faith. It's a walk of trust. And it takes time to develop those attributes in our life. So there's also a possibility when God is silent uh, that the Lord is speaking, but we're not familiar with the method in which he uses to communicate with us. So let me just remind you of some of the ways that the Lord does speak. Of course, we've we've gone over this, but it's just good to hear again. So it's his word through prayer, fasting, through our conscience, through creation, through authority, through ministers, through a still small voice, through believers, through circumstances, angelic visitations, visions, dreams, the gifts of the spirit. All of those are valid Valid ways in which God speaks to us. All of that is found in the framework of Scripture. And it's found multiple places. So it's not isolated truth. It's it's compound truth. It's the truth all through the Word of God. But sometimes we have these ways that we feel only God talks to us. And when God is silent, maybe he's trying to introduce himself through another method of communication. We might be all up for praying, but we don't like to fast. And so we're praying, 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 and it seems like we're not hearing, we're not comprehending, we don't sense those promptings. But what if you just shut your system down, all the ambient noise, and you spent time just in the presence of God, fasting? Your body has a voice, and my mind can be active, your mind can be active, and at any given time we can get distracted, but when you fast, those your body quiets down and your mind slows down. And you start actually being able to hear, be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Lord, where are you working? Where's your exaltation manifesting? That's, that's where we want to work. That's where we want to work. So, here's a, here's a real classic example, okay? Every day, did you know that God says good morning and good evening to us? How does he do that? The sun and the moon. Through creation, it's one of the ways that God is talking and declaring his glory to us, the glory of creation. So when the sun comes up, God is saying, good morning. And while it's coming up here, it's going down and he's saying good night to all the good mates in Australia and Papua New Guinea and New Zealand. So he is communicating. It's not audible. 
it's not something you hear with the outer ear, but it's visible and you can interpret it. Like, good morning, Lord. Good night, Lord. So are we reciprocating? Oh, boy, I can't see the sun today. Sun's not out. Almost. Yes, it is. It rose and it'll set. So here's uh, another practical aspect. When God is silent, we need to check up on our love walk. Uh, are there any areas of disobedience where, that we're not addressing in our life, uh, that we're covering our sin, not confessing our sin? You know, unconfessed sin will hinder our prayers from reaching God and his promptings from reaching us. Let me say that again. You know, unconfessed sin or disobedience will hinder our prayers from reaching God and his promptings from reaching us. The Holy Spirit will help us by convicting us of sin in order to restore and reconcile us to the Lord. He does this both to sinner and saint alike. So here's a good question that we need to ask ourselves in light of this truth is, do we live before God and man with a good conscience? And that's an easy test for you and I to take, and that is if there's people that you have a hard time loving, then it could be something that needs to be confronted in your life. So the example is, if you go to the grocery store and you're down aisle three and a neighbor that you haven't been getting along with is down aisle three and you slip over to aisle four, that's a conscience issue. You're, at that time, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. That that kind of conduct is not becoming of a Christian. And there's other examples, but I think that's adequate. Is that adequate, church? Amen. Amen. So if we're grieving the Holy Spirit, it's really hard to be led by Him. It's hard for Him to teach us until we deal with the disobedience, the rebellion, or the deliberate sin. There's probably going to be silence. And it doesn't mean that God is mad at us. It means that, you know, there's a message in that silence. If sin or disobedience is the issue. I, I would say most of us are pretty good about going through our, you know, am I doing this right, this right, this right, this right list. But I'm just presenting that as part of the package. So if you're seeking the Lord and not hearing, go back to the last thing he spoke to you. This is so important. This is a lesson that really was taught to the body of Christ years ago by Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa um, served some of the poorest people on the planet and some of the worst conditions that humanity lived in. And there was a season in her ministry where she just was uh, stifled by the silence of God. And as she walked through that season with the Lord, continuing to serve the least of them, when she came out on the other side, she said, I've learned something more about myself. And only the silence allowed me to learn that. And I learned that the Lord spoke to me already 
and was just watching me do his work with a smile. That every day she got up and she served the least of them, God wasn't silent, God was smiling. Because his servant did the last and the first thing that she was asked to do. And from that season of silence, she came to know the sweetness of God towards her. What's the last thing that the Lord asked you to do? Have you been obedient to that? I don't, well, I, Pastor, I didn't like what he said. I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. Wow. That's a, that's not a good place to be. Remember last week we, the Lord came to many people and talked about it's, if you want to put the boxing gloves on and fight God, you lose. Um, he, he knows all the pressure points to get you. He just knows how to, he knows how to get you in that, in that position. And so that's, I'm just encouraging you, don't allow yourself to go there. All right. Timing and seasons, when you need to hear, you will, because he will speak. Well, sometimes God is silent because he doesn't need to say anything else. He's already said something. And so when we need to hear the next thing, he'll say the next thing. I, li- I like what Brother Hagin said. Uh, and the first time I heard him say this, my head went tilt, and yours might go tilt. He says, I go by as much what the Spirit of God doesn't say as by what he does say. Which is just simply saying, I go back to the last thing that the Lord asked me to do, and I check and see if I'm still doing that. And if I am, then I'm okay. So here's some thoughts to finish, and then I'm going to give you a couple things to consider. All right. God is always at work, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Always at work. God is always working. And he's working even in silence. As I said, many times we become so familiar with a certain method in which God speaks to us. That's the only way we recognize God. And yet there's ten other ways that he is willing to reveal himself if we would be willing to experience him in that way. If we be open to experiencing him in a new way. Not asking him to do it a new way, but us being open. Lord, here I, here I am, speak to me. So his ears are always open to our prayers and he is always with us. Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. And then we're called to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So when we do not hear from God, we can, if we're not careful, become angry, frustrated, or discouraged, or we can actually become accusational. Or when we do not hear from God, we can know that God is about to do a new thing by revealing himself to us in a fresh way. Sometimes the silence is a setup for you to get to know God in a more awesome way, to experience his provision in a new way. The response, either to get angry or to stay open, the response we choose will make all the difference in how we experience God and how we experience God. So I'm going to have you to stand, and while you stand, let me share this example to you from Scripture. Okay? 
Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, correct? He loved them. I would say love them. I mean, and if you love someone, if they're in need, you show up, correct? That's one of the ways that you manifest your love. Jesus was late by four days. He had already passed away. They had the funeral. They had him buried. He wasn't there when he died. He wasn't there for the funeral. And he wasn't there for the internment. So when he does show up, not, not Mary or Martha are not happy. God was silent. But listen, listen to this, because this is such a key. They had already known Jesus as a healer. Mary and Martha had seen Jesus perform many miracles, had seen many healings in his ministry. But they had never experienced him as one who would resurrect the dead. Jesus wasn't late. They just misinterpreted his silence and his lack of manifestation. When he showed up, when he showed up, he revealed himself in a brand new way to that family as a resurrection in the life. They already knew him as a healer. Just imagine, just because God doesn't show up on our timetable in the way that we demand that he does at times, doesn't mean that he's not at work. He's at work. And when he shows up, we get to know him in a brand new light. And we always say, Lord, your ways are better. The last week of Jesus' life, where did he stay every night? He stayed with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It didn't destroy their relationship. It strengthened their relationship. Silence is meant to strengthen us at times. He's never really silent. He's never really silent. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.